The well, Hayes vision, Maguire, it's free. Like, we have this aerial view of everything that's happening. I know, so but it's Hayes not like... Not, like he, he knows he's free. not passing the ball to Rio Ferdinand, I, right? I, I he knows he's in front of into this. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Alright, it is Thursday evening It is Nathan with you all the way through Until 10 o'clock, hope you're keeping well We've got a busy show for you If you're a Manchester United supporter I think you'll enjoy this evening's show Not only are Manchester United playing Literally everybody on the show Has either played for Manchester United Or currently plays for Manchester United And that is no exaggeration (laughs) John Giles former Manchester FA United Cup winner, player FA winner yes uh, is going to join us uh, to talk about Jimmy Murphy who they built a statue of Jimmy Murphy outside Old Trafford just the fourth statue so there's mm. Alex Ferguson Matt Busby there is the Law Charlton Best statue and now there's a Jimmy Murphy so I was statue. trying to figure this out this morning and I was counting Law Best and Charlton as three statues well, <laughs> but, but it obviously one, isn't I know together. it is yeah, it's Sorry, one sculpture yeah yeah of course Sorry, but anyway that explains that, yes. I was like surely they would have gone with Busby and Ferguson uh, so John is going to talk to us he's mentioned Jimmy Murphy uh, countless times throughout the years and his influence it's a great honour that's a real United. nice touch from a club I would say to go with the kind of unheralded uh, you know sort of kind of behind the scenes figure who built the club I know there's a brilliant article from uh, Daniel Taylor I think in The Athletic today well they're called the Busby Babes but to. it was Jimmy Murphy's Babes he was yeah. the one who brought through all of those players uh, so many of whom passed away in Munich and then of the team that won the 68 European Cup final I think eight of them came through that's true him yeah uh, so we'll talk about that uh, we'll also talk to John about Sam Allardyce's appointment as Leeds United manager oh yes and his comments yesterday uh, sneak sneak peek to what's coming not a fan uh, to the extent Arthur has been frantically searching for Giles v Allardyce as players as to what what the history between the two is they're, they're not of the exact same generation no, I but um, so. a young Allardyce did go up against the elder statesman Giles so uh, yeah, well, well found obviously John uh, Leeds legend so uh, Leeds fans will be very um, interested in his thoughts on that with four games left like that is a for the next 20 years that is going to hold Sam Allardyce unless of course they go and they beat Manchester City at the weekend <laughs> so I presume we heard all these clips yesterday me and you were otherwise uh, engaged at uh, the mansion house but uh, like <laughs> I, I I have to say that the Guardiola Klopp stuff is making all the headlines the funniest part for me was him like really angry about the fact that Sammy Lee has to go through with the jury duty it's outrageous like <laughs> you can't have big Sam and no Sammy I know what's the point what's the point really like Robbie well, Keane can't Keane, fill that role Robbie Keane could be the new Sam Lee you don't know Sammy Lee uh, can he not get out of jury duty is, is Sammy Lee not too famous for jury duty well, you see, maybe Big Sam has compromised that now and maybe he'll get off it. That's he's put oh, him into the news. Him. He's put him into the news. Maybe he's put him in a dangerous position. <laughs> he didn't I, say I, what case he's on, I'm did he? I'm not commenting that. I'm sure, I don't know if he's on a case. Okay. Is he? Sure, I think you're just like seconded for a couple of weeks and okay. you might, you go up every morning. I've never done jury duty, have you? I haven't. Never never, never got the letter called. in the post, though. No. Thank Christ. I don't think they know where I live, thank God. All right. That's a, not I'll story. be ringing you there for two, no, another two weeks off soon so John Giles half past seven former Manchester United footballer eight o'clock John O'Shea and Wes Brown together so we were at the round room in the mansion house last night for our Just Eat Roadshow we had Graeme Souness over as well uh, late replacement 
said he had never been a substitute quite pointedly to John O'Shea and Wes Brown. He also said it to you at the start. <laughs> I've never been a sub before. I don't know what uh, don't know what to do here. But uh, he was a late sub shoes and what a replacement. He was fantastic for the whole night. But uh, we're not hearing from him tonight. We're no, hear from Tuesday night we're going to bring you the full interview with Graham soon. It's really interesting because obviously he had his, I was going to say retirement last Sunday from Sky, but uh, not quite his retirement. He no. ain't going too far. If it's up to him. Yeah, we don't know what that is yet, but... Uh, so Sunes was brilliant. Uh, just, again, full of energy. He's 70 on Saturday. Yeah. We all agreed. There's n- oh, he was the talk of the green room afterwards when he went off, was like, including the footballers. Who were like, wow. <laughs> 70 years triceps. of age. Uh, Sensational shit. Yeah, shape. you don't normally comment on anybody's triceps, actually. No. They're more bicep or whatever, but he had very noticeably large mm. and in shape and toned triceps, I would say, yeah. Would you agree? I would. Yeah. Swims. Sort of looking at me. 6 a.m. Down at his home in Bournemouth, into the sea, 6 a.m. every morning. Has his home gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Self-motivator, you see. Doesn't want to be around the, the people. So we bring you that Tuesday night. Uh, over the next couple of days, we had a really good chat um, about modern football and coaching and all of that. That uh, Chat slash argument. It, 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 it was fascinating because Graeme Souness, as you've all seen Graeme, you know his views on certain aspects of coaching and modern management and uh, the amount of data the players are given or expected to be given uh, and he had those views and John O'Shea is the Republic of Ireland coach yeah. and coach City. at Stoke you know, young guy very much going through the modern way and uh, I think it's fair to say it was a clash of styles yeah very very interesting I think that's tomorrow night and then tonight the two boys who I thought were great and there was loads of good United stories and surprisingly Nathan some of the best stories were actually the Sunderland stories, I would say, that the like Wes Brown and John O'Shea, as we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, basically had their whole career together, including the like a good few years at Sunderland at the end. Mm. And Paolo Di Canio. Um we're actually gonna hear that this tonight, actually. You'll hear, see it on the YouTube see it on the YouTube or listen back on the podcast. It's just a Man United segment on the radio tonight. But they did talk about Paolo Di Canio being like a detailed orientated style manager just a complete opposite of what you would expect almost you know well one of the best things about these sort of roadshows is we know so little about what actually goes on inside clubs and from the outside you just assume the canio it was a complete basket case and he would have been all over the shop and it was all about yeah look good but all about the emotion and but it was complete opposite the opposite yeah complete opposite yeah Wes Brown mentioned at one stage like the warm up like the players weren't allowed to talk to each other in the warm-up as they do the laps of the pitch like you were on so there was no laughing and joking about the night out on Saturday after the game it was yeah this is a serious business yeah and very serious like apparently skinned like a, a young guy who'd let Garrett Bale in for a late winner on the last day of the season even though they'd already had their miracle survival the week before and that's almost their memory of that season is like you know the end of season dressing down from the Canio despite the fact that they'd achieved their one of Sunderland's many miracle survivals John O'Shea is uh, such a nice man that we do sort of take his success for granted and likewise with Wes Brown because they were just on the cusp all the time but you look at the amount of games that they played like nearly 400 games for Manchester United for John O'Shea we went through some of the highlights last night but you look at the Figo nutmeg yep. gave that a good outing like the goal against Arsenal like Wes Brown's cross for Cristiano Ronaldo in the 08 Champions League final yeah. like absolute top drawer uh, so they were there for like very much witnesses to history being in that dressing room so uh, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Wes Brown John good O'Shea good stories yeah uh, 9 o'clock then Aoife Mannion Mayo's Aoife Mannion 
Mayo's and Manchester United's Aoife Mannion is going to join us uh, so and Ireland's and, uh, and very much now Ireland's actually representing Aoife Mayo Mannion, yeah. um, like, I won't say it's gone under the radar so after Ireland qualified it became clear quite quickly that there were a lot of Irish eligible players around the world and we've seen quite a few of them come into the squad but like Aoife Mannion is top top drawer centre back like English League team of the season twice before she picked up two ACLs mm. so she played 90 minutes against Arsenal last week which was the first time since her latest one and she'd only played a handful of games before that from her first comeback when she was out for almost 18 months so for the last four years has barely played any football but is now forcing her way into the Manchester United team who are top of the WSL who are playing in the FA Cup final next week and is going to be in the Ireland squad and you'd feel probably going to be starting for Ireland yeah. at centre back in the World Cup yeah and like just the comeback is brilliant like it's such a great story and then there's like there is also that other element of like you know what the squad dynamics are but mm. it did seem I have to say and you've obviously talked to her or talking to her and will know more but it did seem to me from like that you know the, the games that she's had that that I don't know whether it's Vera Pau has done it or whether it's a Katie McCabe led thing or something like that but they seem to have got that right that sort of atmosphere in the squad mm. is welcoming and an addition is seen as an addition and people aren't there isn't a sort of a sour grapes attitude which could easily happen under the wrong management or the wrong leadership in the team you know so it's another well, we, won't, we don't know though really let's be honest you don't you find out you yeah, find out in September when it's all over true but I do find and maybe you're missing them, but I've you've had senses of these things mm. in the past. I guess I as well, say. footballers, they understand better than anybody a player's quality. So if Aoife Mannion comes in and she's playing... Now, when she came in, she's just coming back from injury, but like they know where she's been in the women's game. Mm-hmm. She's playing for Manchester United. You know, the other players are excited. They're going, actually, here's a exactly. player who is strengthening us. It's the again, ones on the cusp sign. when yeah. it's player 22 has been selected against a player who played three times in qualifying and has been around the squad for six, seven years. That's where it gets a bit messy. But yeah. Vera Powell can't really be thinking about that. Uh, Jonathan Wilson is also on. Uh, we're unsure about his Manchester United appearances, but it, it, it seems unlikely. <laughs> you wrote a book about them. So there. Yeah, well, there you go. Right, okay. But listen, if you're not a Manchester so. United fan, you're going to enjoy tonight's show. Are we United well. playing tonight? Brighton. Brighton. This sounds way better than watching them be outplayed by Brighton yet, yet again. again. Yet again. <laughs> uh, Richie McCormick is with us. Apologies. Richie, I'm I was so unused to having, here. I'm so unused to having somebody in studio. I thought I he was fillable from Richie. Are, I apologise, Richie. Good evening, Richie. I, I just thought I'd let you both to it. It's grand. Don't worry about it. How you keeping? Uh, yeah, yeah, all good, all good, uh, all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Um, yeah, I'm trying. To, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, the Sam thing is 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 still is still making me laugh. And I know uh, one texture has been on there saying you don't see the big picture that you know Big Sam's basically angling for the Ireland job if the Leeds thing kind of ends abruptly, which it probably will after the end of the season, no matter what he does with them, whether he keeps them up or not. Uh, I'd imagine the the disparity in wages would probably be a factor in keeping Big Sam away from the Ireland job, considering what he's getting at Leeds versus what Stephen Kenny does with the FAI. So we put that one to bed pretty quickly. If they succeed at Leeds, they can point to a successful partnership and they can do great things for Ireland. Leeds fans won't have him beyond four matches, even if they do stay up. Like, Ireland aren't going to go that way after Stephen Kenny regardless like there is this thing of we have to react so we try, we tried to play football so we're going to go to Big Sam way no chance Big Sam even, if they, want, job. even if they wanted to go that way they literally couldn't afford him so you should put that to bed right now 
Yeah, but it's just not going to happen on any front. Fair enough, Richie. But the, the, there's there's been times I would say in the last like few years where you know if you're having that Stephen Kenny debate and it's like, do we want this or you know do we need to go the big Sam route? And I always thought it was like a passe media argument that like there's a football chairman for want of a better word aren't looking at big Sam anymore. They've moved on from that. Maybe there's a big Sam type, but we've moved on from actually Sam Allardyce. And it's like completely <laughs> undermined by the fact that he just like he's the man that Leeds have gone to with four games to go. Like you know, it's a shocking move for Robbie Absolutely Keane. Crazy. Working with Allardyce at this stage will do his reputation with progressive football people no favor, says Jack and Dublin. I think do, you know what people already think fact- about it. He's four games, going to get paid a lot of yeah. money. If they stay up, they get a massive bonus. Worst case it's scenario, nobody blames them. And as we pointed out last night, the genesis of this relationship is at soccer aid. So I think, you know what, I'm not sure his reputation is going to get suffered that much, given the fact that they started out together at soccer aid and are now trying to keep a multi-million pound Premier League outfit in the top flight. Like we are not <laughs> far away from Jason Sadukis getting a job just because, you know, yeah, it'd be good TV. Can I, addressing the texter's point, though, I, I actually think that Robbie... I, Robbie's at a point in his coaching career where taking a short-term gig for the money isn't exactly going to do him any long-term good. Like, I mean, if he is serious about it and he wants to be a coach and, like, you know, Middlesbrough didn't exactly work out. Like, I don't know if I don't know if this is a no-lose situation for him just because he's getting a bit of a payday. I think he needs to... I think he does what need to... What can that actually decent. be expected from any of them? in the space well, of two weeks if they go the Lampard route and become a little bit of a laughing stock like which could happen you know if, if well, things don't Sam if there's no himself. kick at all exactly you know if they get beaten 7-0 by City and he's going to be tied to Sam if this goes really badly wrong which I don't think is impossible I wouldn't say it's the most likely outcome but I don't think it's impossible and he would be tied to him a little bit then yeah I, I, I would have I wouldn't have t- I don't think the, this was a I don't think this was a situation where Robbie was going to get much credit if it goes well and I don't know if he's getting I don't know if there's much upside for it to be honest Yeah. I, so, you're, so you're saying soccer aid bosses are going to have to look elsewhere if they want their new managers for the next installation <laughs> the news round is an association with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back neon night edition available now is Harry Maguire not a statue at Old Trafford most weekends hey. says Anthony Amale uh, is <laughs> Harry Maguire a statue tonight Richie or where is Harry Maguire on he's this Manchester United Harry team Maguire. Yeah, he's not playing. Um, a few changes for Brighton tonight. They're playing host to United. Uh, Moises Casado, Alexis McAllister, uh, the promising 18-year-old Facundo Buonanotte, and Kauru Matoma all come back into a team that beat Wolves 6-0 at the weekend. Uh, United start with David De Gea in goal. A back five, then, it looks like, of Aramon Basaka, Victor Lindelof, Luke Shaw, Parmi a back four, and Diogo Dalla at left back. In midfield, then, Casemiro and Fred, and Anthony Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford are in, in behind Anthony Martial kickoff of the day uh, no Evan Ferguson you'll note there for Brighton tonight but Andrew Moran is on the bench for them alright so we'll obviously keep you up to date with that as it goes on throughout the evening uh, Seamus Coleman not as bad as feared but still not great from an Irish point of view yeah, Sean Dyche raising fresh concerns that Seamus Coleman could miss next month's Euro 2024 qualifiers with Greece and Gibraltar. The Republic of Ireland captain said he avoided serious damage to his knee despite being stretched off against Leicester. But Dyche says Coleman isn't likely to play again this season due to that injury. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to keep him out. Um, you know, it's still a ligament injury that needs uh, sorting out, but it's it's not. Obviously, everyone feared it was ACL. And it's not. So that's good news and good news for him. Do you think he'll be back this season? I doubt it. I don't think so, no. 
uh, talking to John O'Shea last night about the sort of craziness of the schedule for international players. So the championship finishes Monday. Ireland play Greece on the 16th of June. So they're going to have five weeks off and then they got to come back in. So I think they're going to have a couple of mini camps and they're going to go to Turkey for a training camp. But for players who've played all season long to suddenly switch off and then go over to Greece in probably 35 degrees heat for a massively important game, Mm. maybe the most decisive game of the entire campaign in terms of Stephen Kenny's future. It's absolute insanity. Yeah. Why is the championship finishing so early? Playoffs. So, the all, another, so obviously yeah, the, the Premier League is late. So is that it, it is this year? Yeah, so that's why. Yeah, it's the Premier pre- hmm. and the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. the Champions League final isn't taking place till June. what is it like the eleventh of June? Right. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. The worry on Coleman, one of our few Premier League players who might have still been match fit come June, missing a game like that. Like, you know, Everton fans in a loving way have been kind of like wanting to move on from Seamus Coleman from about three years but you've seen the record when he had his niggly injury a few weeks ago even and then came back and like make such a huge difference like he's not the type of player I want to be without for that Greece match because I feel like that's the worst game on in the entire schedule Ireland might lose all the games to France and Holland but they'll be up for them and I don't think they'll need anything away to Greece is nearly the most you know must win but hardest to go and motivate you've yourself you've already been in, in your middle summer holidays of June. and you're yeah. going on your summer holidays again straight after exactly yeah and like I feel like Coleman is almost the most important player in the squad for a game like that yeah I don't shame as Coleman if he's in any way fit the club won't come into it like and Sean Dyche said he's probably not going to be back yeah that means just now, go yeah again the Premier League doesn't finish till the 28th of May it's only a couple of weeks later so yeah, You'd like him to be over ideal. there, wouldn't you? Uh, there's been a lot going on in Cork over the last 24 hours, Richie. Yeah, the newly appointed Cork City Sporting Director Liam Buckley says he wanted Colin Healy to stay on as manager. Healy's resignation was confirmed by the club late last night, mere hours after Buckley's hiring was announced. The arrival of the former St. Pat's and Sligo boss is not believed to be a factor in Healy's decision to quit. He led them to the First Division title last season, but they sit second from bottom in the Premier Division ahead of tomorrow night's meeting with St. Pat's. Cork owner Dermot Usher told our friends at Red FM this morning that he also wanted Healy to stay on. It was a hard one for for the club because we we didn't want Colin to go. Um, the we've probably known probably since maybe towards the end of last week. Um, there was maybe something afoot, and I think uh, with the two results that happened Friday and Monday, um, and then some of the. I'm going to call it banter, but that was after the match on 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 Monday. I think um, you know I think it was probably the, the final straw for Colin, um, and I think you know the way the results, some of the. You know, the way, just the way the results have gone has been just extremely difficult. Um, it's difficult for everybody, but there was full support there for Colin within the club and for him to continue on. Uh, it was always going to be difficult, is the thing. I think surely all fair-minded mm-hmm. fans would have realised that when you're just promoted, as great as their history is and as big as the club wants to be, when you're just up, season one is about survival. And yes, it's been a very slow start to the season and maybe they were looking at Drogheda getting some results and getting a little bit worried and looking down at the first division and seeing Waterford getting it together and getting worried about a potential playoff and all that uh, mm. but it does seem from listening to Dermot Usher there that Colin Healy just got a little bit fed up with it all 
Yeah, it sounded uh, it kind of it's to a degree. I was there on Monday afternoon as well. I kind of looked at um, that his 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 wages kind of run as court manager. He's been there for what three years and been through the highs and lows. Like we forget that the first division is such a slog, particularly when you don't get up, uh, which would have happened in the the first year or two there. Um, and then to get up and to have that met with the disappointment of these first few months of the season. And I do think Cork will get out of trouble, but they have to face the fact that the squad is pretty thin. Um, and that was evidence uh, at the weekend, both on Friday night and then again on Monday, that if they do have injuries, which they did on Monday, and if there is a sending off, then things can collapse pretty quickly. And that's a steep road and a steep hill to climb. But it's, I guess, I I feel bad for drugs because they're always that marker club where you kind of think, well, if they have a bad season, then we might have that buffer. Um, but they, you know, they've been doing a great job there the last year and a half. Um, and they deserve all the credit they can get, but you know they they do create a bit of a a bit of an vacuum in which other teams kind of have to try and fill, and, and Cork haven't been able to do that in the last few weeks. And I guess Heidi's probably just said enough's enough. Need some fresh blood here. I feel like you need a bit of patience if you're a Cork fan. Like I mean, Shell when Shell totally. when Shells came up last year, it was all the excitement about Duff and everything like that, and it took them half the season to get going. Like you know what I mean? And they Cork were have a worse squad than Shells difference. did last year. Uh, exactly, uh, but you know yeah. what? There's the excitement of having Cork back in the league and having those big crowds. Again, you know, and it's just like it'll take time. Like that will, like you know, they'll they'll develop revenue and they'll they'll get going again. It just like they're good enough to finish ahead of UCD. They're probably good enough to finish above that playoff as well. They're you know you think they're likely to stay up, but it's just not going to be. You're not just going to come back after the no. wilderness and be back to kind of what you were seven, eight years ago. Well, you got to accept that at some stage you're going to have a run of eight or nine games where you're only going to get a couple of points. Yeah. And stay patient and get through that. And it just seems that certainly from some of the fans, and it feel like it's just some of the fans that wasn't there. Uh, Richie, are you coming to mm. Tala tomorrow night? A warm welcome will await, as always, of course, for you. Is and your it brethren. another Dublin derby? Another, yeah, there's about fifteen of them every week. Um, no, I'll be here. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be tethered to the beast, uh, keeping tabs on that and everything else tomorrow night. So I'll, I'll allow you to enjoy Tala in peace tomorrow night. Now. Top of the table clash. Four points clear. Rovers are back. Ooh. <laughs> Oh come on! Won't be in peace. Randy Well results. I have to bring the four-year-old to the match tomorrow night, so there's not going to be much peace for me. Is she on the season ticket? No. Didn't think about that part. We worry about that. I'll be doing the old uh, over the third slope. Yeah, yeah. But dad used to go up there on the shoulders and put your legs as high as you can so they can't see you when you're going in. If anybody sees me doing that, say nothing. Great days. Great days. Great. I thought those Why can't you get into gone, a match though. like that? Like, there probably are, as I'm going to find out. Do you remember the cost. old terrace at Lansdowne? It would have been the South Terrace, that, where the small stand is now. Mm. And I remember going to matches there, and I don't know how they did it or what it was, but people were obviously inside the ground, but they were out, they weren't able to in. So they'd hop over the wall and shout for people to use tickets, and you'd hand up your ticket, and then they'd go around and get in that way. But I, I couldn't never understand how it worked, even in the old days. But people, it was literally a regular thing. And people would just hop over the wall constantly, shout, hey, tickets! And someone would just pass up their ticket. Well, I remember coming up uh, to Dublin and getting the dart out, which would obviously be absolutely wedged and, like, obviously great excitement up from Mayo for the day. And uh, my dad would have a seating ticket. So I would do the thing where, like we all did, up on the shoulders, straight in, no ticket. And he would leave me with friends of his on the terrace. 
<laughs> as he would go off to the main stand. Which I, 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 there was a period in my life where I was quite bitter about this, but now that I have children of my own, I can fully understand his thought process. <laughs> but it is the most 19... Like, this was definitely the qualification and, campaign and when for you say friends of his, I mean... People from, from Ballyhonest that, yeah. that he met on the dart that were also going to yeah. the game. He but it all fully trusted them, but... It all worked yeah. out just fine. Uh, some big breaking GEA news. Uh, Limerick yeah, Senior Hurling Management Finn. team have just confirmed that Sean Finn suffered an ACL injury oh, no. on Saturday evening and will be out for the remainder of the season. Oh, it yeah, seemed like it was ACL, his Yeah, yeah. Now they say ruptured ACL, so he's going to be out for the for the rest of the season. That's a massive loss to the championship. Was like I think Arthur described them as an alien after coming back from the first game of uh, of the season uh, when they beat Waterford. Just his his unbelievable reading of the game and everything else. That's actually devastating news. Uh, Richie, what else you got for us? Uh, the Minister Thomas Byrne has reaffirmed his position that Russian and Belarusian athletes should not compete at next year's Olympics as neutrals. The IOC has previously said that they are exploring avenues to allow athletes from both countries to compete at the Games in Paris. Several sporting bodies, most recently Cycling's UCI, said they would allow Russian and Belarusians resume competition as neutrals, but the Minister of State for Sport and Physical Education has joined 36 other sports ministers around the world in stating their opposition to such a move at the Olympic Games. How's this happening? I, I honestly went into a stupor. I felt like in the twilight zone. This <laughs> Russian and Belarusian athletes. It's, just, it's the same story all the time. Uh, another same story all the time. Rory McIlroy. Is <laughs> <laughs> Tiger back? Is Tiger back? Uh, he's back, 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 baby. Yeah, Rory McIlroy, after three weeks off, has made a pretty decent start to the Wells Fargo Championship. A three under round of 68 for him. He's two shots off the joint leaders, Kevin Streelman, KH Lee, and Taylor Moore. Seamus Power had a pretty decent day as well. 69 for him. He's in the clubhouse on two under par. Shane Larry is four holes into his opening round, and he is level. Uh, so this is one of the elevated events. So most of the big guns are there. John Ram and Scotty Scheffler are skipping this one. You're allowed to skip one. Rory skipped two, mm-hmm. costing three million quid to skip the second one but he's he's okay with that some rumours he might be getting it back because you, if you're uh, missed for health reasons it's okay well and we did touch on that of, like his mental health mm. issue you know we, brought, we were talking about that in Golf Weekly today as to you know if he ha- if he had a sore ankle it would be acceptable for him not to turn up but if he's exhausted and just mentally burnt out yeah is that not the same uh Something that we didn't talk about on Golf Weekly because it just came up in our conversation afterwards and I missed this and it seems everybody has missed this. So Rory McIlroy's first round at the Masters. He's on the second or third hole and he I don't know if he looks to his left but if he did look to his left who is standing there watching him? Caroline Wozniacki. Do you know what's the first person that came into my head? No. Yes. That's I thought, I was like, well, this is just a bit of gossip. And then I Googled it, and sure enough, it's in two of the English papers from the day after. Uh, out of nowhere, didn't I don't think followed him around for the full 18. Now, Caroline Mosniaki, as far as I'm aware, has uh, moved on and is oh, yeah. married. Uh, is still a golf fan and a golfer. <laughs> but like, the Thursday of the Masters, the biggest event of his year, and his ex-fiance is just standing there. Yeah, so- I'd blame it and if things, he didn't already things, pull his things didn't go, drive. Yeah, but things didn't go very well after that at all. Yeah. That's very strange behaviour, isn't it? <laughs> it would be a strange thing to see someone you haven't <laughs> seen in like six years. What? It's right like, now? It's like, really? it's like when uh, 
Do you ever see Kingpin when like uh, what is it? Woody Harrelson's character is like looking around him and he sees his uh, his landlady making faces at him and trying to put him off. That's what I kind of imagined the <laughs> dynamic between Wozniacki and, and McElroy was at Augusta. You could have stopped this, Nathan. You were there. You had the power. I couldn't believe it. I just I I I, I hope somebody asks him like, did he notice? Oh, because by all accounts, according to the stories, his backroom team were quite shocked at this development. Yeah, I don't know. I think TMZ would be more interested in that than us now, but let's see. We do love the, the gossip on... We do love the gossip on Golf Weekly. We're not too good for anything of that. Uh, the latest <laughs> Golf Weekly is up right now. A casual 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, Richie, we've got to leave it there. Golf Weekly, please. Nice and lads. Uh, Mick, thank you as always. Thank you.